The opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily reflect those of Talk Radio AM 640. I'm the guy they call the Spaceman. This is a View from Space. I'd like to welcome you in if you're driving around town right now. We're listening to AM640. I welcome you in. Or if you're listening to me right now at work, using the uh, AM640 app, picking up the signal there, I welcome you in. Or if you're listening to me right now on Shaw Direct on Channel 865, I welcome you in also. Or maybe you're listening on your 3 or 4G personal communication device by the Stream the World software. I welcome you in. Or maybe you're what some call sitting in the best seat in the house to check out a view from space. Logged on to 640toronto.com. Picking up the live audio streaming there. I welcome you in. Wherever you are in the world, I welcome you in. The Illuminati-controlled mass media are calling it the Paris Attacks. As the pictures and videos began flooding the global media yesterday and disseminated throughout the world all through the evening last night, overnight, and continuing all through today, infusing a great dose of fear and anger into the watching public. The date of Friday the 13th. The world, again, finds itself watching in horror, as I've said, ritualistically peering, combing through the footage. Are the watchers looking into the screens, expecting to catch a, a glimpse of terrorist, maybe, or see a citizen murdered in cold blood on the screen. It is like a ritual, isn't it? Because we've been doing it over and over. Because it is. We're now getting regular doses of this fear factor because it now happens so often. And it is, in fact, a ritual of sorts, a mind-controlling, paralyzing, black magic event with its purpose designed to shock, terrorize, create fear in you. It was an attack that started the weekend, a Friday night, in the city of Paris on a lovely fall evening. The French joie de vivre on la weekend, huh? Shattered by a terror attack on a Friday night. 
taken off the weekend. The official number of dead after the attacks carried out at six different locations. Six attacks, six locations. Why? The number of man. Six places of blood sacrifice to create this fear. All coordinated attacks from out of the country, we're told now. ISIS already taking charge, saying we did it. They weren't random. They were planned, meticulously executed at the precise time, like a military maneuver. 129 dead, 352 wounded, exactly the number of days in a year. As the president of France, Francois Hollande, gets on television, gets on global media, and declares it as it was still unfolding, that this attack was an act of war. That ought to wake up the sleeping French public, right? Don't you think? You see, the French are idealistic. They're still holding fast to the idea of living in a free and open society, and they don't get it. Their attitudes must and will change. Hey, the president of their country has just declared France is at war. That's a little different than it was on Thursday. It's being dubbed the deadliest attack in Europe since March 11th, 2004, Madrid train bombings where there were 191 victims losing their lives. Here's Hollande's message to the French people to prove his point of being at war. The French president said he would close the airport, slam them shut last night, but didn't. The French borders were shut, though. The trains and airports remained open. You figure that one out. You shut your borders, but you allow two escape routes, one without any borders, really, the airport, and the trains. You figure, you figure that one out when you have time. Anyway, the borders were closed, a state of emergency declared, a curfew put in place. Hollande pulled all the plugs making sure that the French citizens got the message the Illuminati want to deliver. France hasn't had a curfew since 1944, the Second World War. A three-day mourning period announced, too. And that's not all. Just listen. Remember, this is happening in France, where they love their freedoms. They're a way behind the rest of the EU, you know. Oh, the French are stubborn in that regard. President Hollande directly orders the gendarmes, their police, to ban public demonstrations for a total of five days. Unheard of in France. That'll run till next Thursday morning. A five-day ban of public demonstrations. This is short of martial law to prove a point that this was an act of war 
what the Illuminati-controlled mass media are calling the Paris attacks. Yes, this is now happening in France, of all places. This is the power of what can be done with an event on just one weekend evening. You can totally immerse a country and its citizens into war. The EU, especially France, needs to complete the attitude change of which is already firmly implanted in North America and Australian citizens. Vigilance. Being suspicious. Always wondering. Worrying if it's safe. The timing for this Paris attack to be executed is perfect, as the elite's puppets, our politicians, right now, are going to gather for a G20 meeting in Turkey coming up starting next week. The meeting begins Monday, the Monday following the Paris attacks weekend, the 2015 G20 summit at Antalya, Turkey. It's going to be the 10th annual meeting of the G20 heads of the government, and it's the most visited destination where they're holding it, Antalya, in all of Turkey. It's the 10th most visited. It's the 10th annual meeting held in the 10th most visited city in Turkey and the 10th most visited city in all the world. Notice the numerology here. Why is the number 10 so prevalent in this G20 meeting? Ten is the number of law. And this ritual is conjured up by black magic to change laws in countries. Hence, where they're going to be changing rules, Antalya, Turkey, for the G20 heads, and there will be new legislation implemented and it will be for sure that it will be designed to disrupt the old tired system of democracy capitalism which will be replaced by a global governance democracy capitalism more on that coming up in a few minutes now here's where the attacks took place on this latest Illuminati event the one that brought France into a war. Oh yes, there's going to be some changing of attitudes in France because of this event. The attacks were launched six separate locations as set set across the city. Five were in the 10th and 11th arrondissements of districts. And one close to the Stade de France in the north of the city where President Francois Hollande himself was actually attending a a friendly football match between the French and the German teams when the bomb went off and quickly was escorted out. And another place was the Bataclan concert venue, a small concert hall, holds about 1,500. There were just over 1,000 young people in attendance 
last night on that beautiful night in Paris until about 9 o'clock in the evening. They were there to see the California-based Eagles of Death, the metal act. This is one of the sites where most of the victims, a lot of them, most of them young, were killed. It's one of the best-known music venues in all of Paris. The club's on Boulevard Voltaire, a busy little neighborhood in the intersection of three districts, the 10th, 11th, and 3rd arrondissement. And the California band, the Eagles of Death, were playing at the Bataclan last night. So much more coming up. This is... A view from space on Talk Radio AM 640. And I'm just getting started. I'm the guy to call space. It's a view from space. Talk Radio AM 640. Emails to spaceman at 640toronto.com or simply space at 640toronto.com. And they start coming in before the show. This one's uh, from SH in Dallas, Texas. Seems there's never a lack of subjects to talk about. Obviously, we're all saddened by the news out of Paris and hope the slaughter of innocents will end soon. But I don't see that ever happening. As another step is taken towards the Third World War to pit Islam against other religions, I recently read Graham Hancock's book, Master Game, in which he goes into the occult past, the planning, the layout of the streets of Paris, shaped around the same river. There's been a a long and intense infatuation by Parisians with ancient Egypt and its mystery religion. The city has sections laid out to represent the Egyptian temple in Luxor, for example. The, The French revolutionaries built a large statue of Isis at the Bastille's previous location that had water shooting out from Isis's breasts. Bare breasts, of course. She had no clothes on. They tried to eliminate Christianity there, he goes on to say, and put a pagan religion in its place. Napoleon was also fascinated with Egypt, invaded and captured the area, eventually had one of the Luxor obelisks shipped back to Paris. And if I remember correctly, Graham Hancock's book is interesting with a lot of good history, but it ended without applying any meaningful conclusions. He's obviously an apologist for Gnosticism, gaining uh, uh, Godhead by knowledge, and probably for Freemasonry, too. Signed, S.H. Dallas, Texas. Thank you for that. And uh, I just want to say K.H.R. from uh, Medellin, Colombia, checking in to say hello. I thank you so much for listening. And appreciate the emails. So as I was saying, before the break, the California-based Eagles of Death metal band was playing at the, the, the music hall that had the most deaths. Now, the Bataclan, just a small concert arena, Seats, as I said before, about 1,500. Only 1,000 people there and for the show that... Uh, on the Friday night. The club, as I was saying, was on Boulevard Voltaire uh, in the uh, intersection of three 
districts, the 10th, 11th, and 3rd, are on this month. 10 is the number of law. 11 is the number of destruction. 3 is the royal number. It's all neatly tucked into that area. The Bataclan Concert Hall. The attackers first sprayed cafes, though, outside this concert hall, not long, not not far from it, with machine gun fire, and they went inside and opened fire on on a panicked audience. After about an hour, the band took the stage. The concert hall was turned into a bloodbath. Black balaclava-clad gunmen with AK-47s we're told now, storm the hall, fire calmly and methodically at hundreds of screaming concert goers. A large part of the crowd started hearing the shots at first and thought it was part of the band stage act, but quickly understood it was real as they were firing into the crowd. One attacker was heard to say, it's the fault of Hollande, it's the fault of your president, you should not have intervened in Syria. Part of the crowd that couldn't manage to escape was held hostage for about an hour and a half. Four gunmen finally killed after the GIGN force arrived at the scene. The GIGN is a unit of the French Armed Forces and our France's National Army Intervention Group trained for, trained for special ops duties like counter-terrorist operations, hostage rescue missions, things like that. By the time the GIGN stormed in there last night, 80 kids were dead. Three of the attackers are killed by activating the suicide vests. A fourth shot dead by a GIGN recruiter. Now, Belle Equipe was a sidewalk terrace cafe on Rue de Charon and was showering gunfire also before they hit Bataclan. There were 18 people killed there. Emergency workers ended up covering bodies splayed on the pavement as they waited for an ambulance to arrive on the scene. I mean, just care, horror and chaos on the weekend start in Paris, the city of lights, of enlightenment, you know. At a couple of other sidewalk cafes, Le Carillon uh, Bar Café, and the nearby Cambodian restaurant, La Petite Cambodge, they're at the junction of Rue Bichat and uh, Rue Alibert. Now, these two restaurants, crowded, of course, <laughs> you might expect on a, on a nice evening on a Friday night in Paris, fall evening, pleasant weather, were both targeted with gunfire. Fourteen died there at these two cafes, which left also a lot wounded. And they calmly drove down to the next spot. They were the only ones in town with guns, really. There was no opposition. They owned it. The terrace of a, a Cambodian restaurant on Rue Alibert on the 10th district, Le Petit Cambodge, was the, the scene of, uh, of an attack that killed at least 12 people. One eyewitness actually s- stated, We heard the sound of guns, 30-second bursts. It was endless. But we thought it was fireworks. Another witness said she drove by scooter a minute or so after and said it was surreal. Everyone was on the ground. No one was moving inside the Petit Cambodge Cafe, and everybody was 
on the ground at the adjacent Carillon Bar across the street. Here's a very uh, important statement from this eyewitness, because it capsulizes the very reason why Paris was this chosen target. Again, so quickly after the last attack, the most recent attack in Paris, France, at the Charlie Hebdo publishing house, she said, the witness, a telling, telling statement. It was very calm. People didn't understand what was going on. A girl was being carried in the arms of a young man, and she seemed to be dead. There ended up being five dead at Rue de la Fontaine du Roi, and a few hundred yards from the Bataclan concert hall, the terrace of the Casa Nostra Pizzeria was targeted too. Five people were killed there by the attackers. There were also a couple of suicide attacks and a bombing that was carried out simultaneously near the National Stadium of France, a huge sporting complex. It was outside of the stadium, of course, not inside, as you're probably already aware. The attacks occurred near two of the stadium entrances and at a nearby McDonald's restaurant. Three died in the attacks there. Thousands of spectators held in the stadium for quite a while, unable to leave because... Well, for about an hour, they were held there. Three loud explosions were heard outside of this national stadium during the first half of a friendly international football match between France and Germany. And at least four died outside the stadium, which staged the 1998 World Cup, if you'll recall, final, with several others seriously hurt outside that stadium. One of the explosions was near the McDonald's restaurant, as I said, on the fringes of the stadium. And at least one of the two explosions in Rue Jules-Renet was a suicide bomb attack. French President Hollande, who was watching the football game, the soccer match, was immediately evacuated. Now listen to this. These two teams played to the end of the match. That's right. The explosions that occurred outside of the stadium were the sounds of suicide belts going off. That was heard inside by the crowd. But the game went on. But Hollande, the French president, immediately whisked away right after the explosions by his security team. But everyone else stayed put. No one even knew what was going on, except for the small group surrounding President Hollande. I find that very peculiar, that they could not get anyone else out, but they could get the president of the country out. These explosions were heard during the first half. They played the rest of the first half, had the intermission, and came out and played the whole last half of the game while Paris was under siege. World leaders, including a lot arriving in Vienna for the Syria uh, Syria peace talks, uh, uh, expressed horror at the attacks in, in Paris, including the Saudi Arabia foreign minister, who called the attacks heinous. Well, some people will argue that Saudi Arabia is one of the terror nations. 
the Illuminati play both sides. Don't be confused. It's real. I want to express our condolences to the government and people of France for the heinous terrorist attacks that took place yesterday, which are in violation and contravention of all ethics, morals, and religion, says the Saudi Arabian foreign minister. What I thought was very interesting is the fact that Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, did not release a statement along with the other global leaders. The Russian foreign ministry spokeswoman, Maria Zarkova, actually was the one that made the announcement. It was inevitable the talks would be affected. Those events which happen not far from here will absolutely cause adjustments in the agenda of the event. You see, there is a global event coming very soon to the city of Paris. At the end of this month is the United Nations Summit on Climate Change. More on that coming up, too, here on AVFS Talk Radio AM 640 in a few minutes. Speaking from Moscow, the Russian Prime Minister, Dmitry Medvedev, said Russia shares the sadness and the pain of the French people. Terrorist crimes are not and cannot be justified. The Paris tragedy requires us all to unite in the fight against extremism to bring a strong answer to terrorist actions. That was the Prime Minister. Putin did not comment. Find that interesting? I do. It's very interesting. The Philippines has pledged higher security for world war, world leaders and the meeting of the economic summit in Manila next week where U.S. President Barack Obama is set to join the leaders of China, Japan, Australia, Canada, and 15 others at an annual Asia-Pacific Economic Conference Summit. And there's no credible threat registered at this time, but let us all be cooperative and vigilant, the president said of the Philippines. Benigo. Aquino. Now, across the world, it had its effect, too, because everyone is showing solidarity for France. An act of war and the Illuminati-controlled mass media are going to make you feel like that act of war is not against France. It's against you. Space, back with more. Talk Radio AM 640 right after this break. I'm a spaceman. This is Talk Radio AM640. I communicate by email. It's the only one, the only way you reach me and I reach you. Except you're the speaker. Spaceman at 640Toronto.com or space at 640Toronto.com are the two addresses. And I thank you for the one that you sent. Now, right here, JL writes. I kept hearing in our Canadian media that France has the best intelligence agency in the world. Well, doesn't an organization get such a title by knowing everything there is? If they're the best, why didn't anyone apparently know about this? Someone knew. Someone let it happen. 
one of them was very well known to the police one of the attackers that's now dead a Frenchman born in France but the others are a different story more on that coming up on AVFS talk radio AM 640 deeper into the show so as I said I just thought it was interesting that Russia's president Vladimir Putin did not release a statement with all the other world's leaders yet he's going to be at the Asian Pacific Economic Conference summit he's going to be at the uh, at the uh, United Nations climate change summit there's no credible threat registered at this time that's really the words that everyone is hanging off of right now in Europe there is no credible threat registered at this time they're all on edge this has made all of the EU very jumpy because after all this was this attack was aimed mostly at Europe to start but it's also aimed at other countries that are accepting Syrian refugees migrants whatever you want to call them some call them refugees some call them migrants more on that coming up too in just a few minutes Yes, no credible threat registered at this time as the EU is on the edge and will be for some time. While the elites attend their great summits and pontificate how things have to change and what we'll be changing too. Yes, our movers and our shakers, our overlords shaping our world across the world everyone has shown solidarity how symbolism that's the way they always do it symbolism landmarks lit red white and blue for the french flag new york's world trade center disney opera house has this all the western leaders in lockstep showing solidarity with one another the uk prime minister david cameron being speaking to the media after chairing a meeting of the security committee called cobra he called friday night's killings a horrifying and sickening attack and said his thoughts were with the french people and all those who had lost loved ones to the french people my message is simple cameron said prime minister britain nous sommes solidaires avec vous nous sommes tous ensemble we're with you we're united Barack obama yesterday one of the first to come out in the illuminati controlled mass media condemned the paris attacks calling them an outrageous attempt to terrorize innocent civilians this is an attack on all of humanity and the universal values we share and he pledged of course the united states government assistance to france 
always the same old, same old routine, isn't it? In Sydney, New South Wales, State Premier Mike Baird said he had also asked for a French flag to fly over the city's famous Harbour Bridge, show their solidarity. Turns out, there wasn't one in the country that was big enough. So, they were going to make one in New South Wales and Sydney, Australia. Australian Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull earlier said that protecting freedom was a global battle. After the attacks left 129 people dead and 352 injured. He said it was a battle against those who seek to suppress freedom, seek to assert some form of religious tyranny, a threat in the name of God, but is truthfully the work of the devil. I think the Australian Prime Minister is onto something with that last couple of words. In France and Australia, all around the world, they stood shoulder to shoulder with the people of France, with all free peoples in the battles against terrorism. And in Canada last night, members of the French-speaking community in Montreal gathered late Friday. What, no English went? Well, it was a, a spontaneous show of support by the French-speaking Montrealers. About 500 people assembled under a light rain to honor the victims of the deadly Paris attacks, carrying signs that read, We will not retreat. We will defend our values. Do you see what I mean? Everyone in lockstep is like, it all happened to us, because that's the way they want you to see it. The homegrown terrorism worked out to a point, but it's not the end-all, be-all. They have another step, and they've just pulled it off this weekend. The people in Paris are ending their evening an enduring nightmare of violence, terror, and fear, Merkel said in Berlin. This is the German Chancellor, Angela Merkel. We, the German friends, we are feeling with them. We are crying with them. This attack on freedom is not only aimed against Paris, it's aimed against us all, Angela Merkel also underlined, as Obama did. All in lockstep, if you see what I mean. They're told, here's what we're saying. Oh, and Merkel added that Europe would stand united to defend its values. She said, we know that our free life is stronger than terror. Oh, oh yeah? The world we're turning into? The free, you call that the free life? So why Paris, France again? I mean, just ten months after the French satirical weekly newspaper office of Charlie Hebdo was attacked back January 7th of this year. And why, why now? At this particular time. Well, I think I can answer both of those questions. First, this. Think about it. The Illuminati want the world to be very afraid. That's a given. There is a phantom fighting force called ISIS. 
Rosno no country has no real um, formal setting. It no one knows how many of there are. It's a phantom fighting force. Remember, the Illuminati control both sides of a fight. It's the only way you can control the outcome of the fight. Who the winner is and who the loser is. So there's a phantom army also called Al-Qaeda. There's another phantom fighting force called Boko Haram, among others. But those ones, those three, are the most often used. ISIS, Al-Qaeda, Boko Haram. Three organizations for this phantom fighting force, the Islamic extremists, were behind this Paris attacks, we're told. The Illuminati are funding and are arming these shadowy manifestations of fighting forces. Come on! The elite rich own the armaments of the world, the guns, the bullets. They're funding, they're picking who they will sell to. They're arming this shadowy manifestation of fighting force. The Illuminati, of course, controlled the Western Alliance, too, through NATO. So pit one against the other and create the chaos to create change. Change to what? A new world order. A global empire under one supreme leader. But how do you get there? To this deeply desired Illuminati goal of a one world utopia. Well, you do it by fear, creating fear through chaos. That's how you change the world. Because you see, you, the citizen of the world, not the soldier, you, the citizen of the world, is the target. You are the enemy of the elites. It's the citizen of the world that has to forcibly change their thinking about borders, about freedom of movement, about personal freedoms about their religion. To quote Barack Obama just hours ago when he said, terrorism will never defeat democracy. Oh, oh yeah? Oh, oh, yes, it will. It already is. Terrorism is defeating democracy by the taking away, the removal of many personal freedoms enjoyed by millions in the past in the Western world. How many freedoms did we once enjoy and are now gone? Disappeared? Vanished? Black magically? Changed forever? Because when the elites take away one of your rights to be free, you will never get it back. Just as I say, and I have kept on saying, and it has proven me to be correct, time has, that once they move into a certain area, they never leave either. 
This is Spaceman Talk Radio, AM 640. It's a view from space. That's all it is. More next. I'm the guy to call space. It's a view from space. Talk Radio, AM 640. I communicate by email, spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com. Thanks so much for the one you sent. I really appreciate it. I really do. If you've got some information you'd like to pass along or if you have a, a comment on the show or if you have a critique of the show or you just want to say where in the world you're listening, feel free to use one of those two addresses. So as I said before the break, Barack Obama just hours ago, terrorism will never defeat democracy, but it's happening. As a matter of fact, it's just the catalyst because our elites, our overlords, are taking away the personal freedoms to save us from, well, the phantom menace. Yes, your rights that are taken away are never coming back. It's been absolutely proven true over time. Look back and think about it because we have such a short memory when it comes to the news cycle. And it's just that, too, isn't it? A cycle. A ritualistic cycle. Repeating over and over again the same message. The message be very, very afraid. And you have to give them something to be frightened about then, don't you? A real threat to the citizen personally. Hence, terrorism and terrorist attacks. It's nothing new. Terrorist attacks have been going on for thousands of years. It's a tried and true method infiltrating a country and breaking it up or from within. If it were a conventional war, army fights army, people will allow those armies to battle. All the citizens of the world will allow the armies to battle and battle and battle and battle and won't feel they need to do anything else. They'll feel someone else is doing it. Someone else is fighting the fight for them. The public will accept many soldiers being killed. Even their loved ones. But when it comes to a citizen's personal safety, well... That's a game changer. Now, all of a sudden, you're not supporting your armed forces. You're on the front line. You see, if the citizen is made out to be the target of the attack, then, and only then, is it possible to take away their personal freedoms of that citizen. And they will willingly allow you to take the personal freedoms away. Willingly! The people will allow it to happen. The Illuminati know this. The European people 
are not getting the be very fearful message. Oh, they're hearing it. Yeah. But they're not doing it. They're not afraid enough yet. That's why the people of the cities are attacked. Not soldiers. They're not the target. The people are the target. They're the ones that have to have an attitudinal adjustment. The citizen of all countries. That's why Paris was attacked at the start of the weekend. Citizens of all the countries are all lockstep in with Paris and solidarity now. And you'll, you'll, you, you turn on the Illuminati-controlled mass media right now and they'll tell you it's going wild with... The social media is going wild with the outpouring of, of support for Paris. Words do nothing. Only actions. Not, not anything but actions will help. Outpouring of support? No. That's like the citizens going, Oh, our army's fighting. Oh, yeah, we've lost a lot. We could win the battle next year. They're sending more of our troops over. It'll be okay. You see, we'll win. When you're on the front line, it's a different story. And this diabolical idea of planting terrorism in the countries where you want to create change is on a rapid, rapid well, journey to a one world government a global entity no more borders you see, I believe these attacks are aimed specifically at the citizen and the EU, especially France. Under heavy attack right now. As I've said, the Illuminati don't believe the EU, especially France, is afraid enough. For instance, in France, a person might see someone do something that they thought, and that would look rather suspicious, but would never act on it. They would never report it. Their feeling is that if they wouldn't want someone watching them, ready to report them to authorities, because they mistakenly thought they were doing something wrong, but reported the person on a suspicious uh, of doing a suspicious act, or they thought they were. Everybody gives everybody a lot of space in France, and a lot of French don't question what another person was doing or wasn't doing. They're they're free, <laughs> or they want to be, and the Illuminati don't want them to be. Hence, the attacks. Charlie Hebdo, in January 7th of this year, 
October 11th, our 13th of the same year. You see, that's what they're like in France. Whereas in London, say, or on this side of the Atlantic even, New York City or many other places in North America, much more vigilant, much more worried, always looking over their shoulder, living in a, well, a, a semi-constant state of semi-fear is what North America's about. Never knowing if it's truly safe with the thought of suspicion constantly cropping up in their minds. Always making a point of reporting suspicious behavior, especially in America. The imagination can even play havoc with a person who's reached that state of mind. And you can conceivably come up with all kinds of diabolical things people might be into, and they weren't where your mind was going at all. But you reported them. And now there's all of this legal problem for this person that you singled out. But that's not so in France. France is still just not that way yet. Yesterday's Illuminati event, though, went a long way to rectify that major problem for the Illuminati in the EU, especially France. I described it earlier this month when I referred to the thousands of migrants who had been boating, walking, busing, taking trains from the Middle East and African countries, all with the idea to come to the EU for a better life. And pretty much all of them are Muslim. So I likened it to an unarmed Islamic army invasion being staged by the Illuminati. <laughs> you say, how do the thousands all get the same idea to go to the EU all at once? That's what I'm wondering. Also, someone opened the gates. Someone opened the floodgates. Someone high up. It's the human traffickers who were given the okay to supply the Illuminati with this unarmed army of Muslim migrants to scare all of Europe. This has been done before. <laughs> There's nothing new under the sun. It's simply history repeating itself. Vlad the Third, the Impaler, Vlad the Impaler, in Romania, stopped the Islamic invasion. In his day, by the way, a Prince Charles relative, bloodline member, Oh, and Prince Charles even weighed in on the attacks in Paris and called it a bestial attack. Well, it was, yes, because he might know it come right from the belly of the beast. That coming New World Order power. Space back with more. Flip side of this break on Talk Radio AM 640. I'm Space. A view from Space. Talk Radio AM 640. Emails to spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com. I thank you so much for the ones that I've been sent. A.S. writes, Hey, Space, just a heads up. They're called the Eagles of Death Metal, not Eagles of Death. 
they're really not a metal band in a traditional sense, like Slayer or Cannibal Corpse, bands like that. They're closer to straight-up rock. Have a great night. Love the show. Signed, A.S. Oh, and uh, Mike in Manitoba, checking in on the show, finds it highly interesting. And uh, C.W. writes, you mentioned Napoleon. Most people don't know that he and his highest-ranking general converted to Islam. Napoleon changed his name to Ali, according to Le Moniteur magazine in 1798. The Paris Climate Change Conference later this month should see implementation of new laws and control of most countries. At a conference recently, a woman with the surname Royal said to Prince Charles, they were sitting next to each other, Yes, sir, no more than a two-degree temperature rise. Together, we shall write a new Magna Carta. She was, of course, referring to this Paris conference coming up at the end of the month for climate change, where they will rewrite our global laws. You realize what the Magna Carta was, don't you? The Magna Carta was the king giving the people parliament to run themselves without interference from the king. But that was an illusion. But the Magna Carta gave people a different leader than a king. That's what this lady was referring to at the Paris conference coming up on climate change. They will rewrite our global laws, sort of like a Magna Carta, because what's coming up is a mandatory signing. Mandatory signing. You must sign all people attending, all countries attending, and our members must sign this binding new law that will put into effect a carbon tax for all countries in the world. A huge economic hit is coming from that area. This information coming, of course, from CW, I told you, my email, and he signs off crazy, or sorry, regards from crazy, dumbed down Australia. I know, we're all pretty much disillusioned, aren't we, on what our countries are becoming. Because democracy was a little more pure (laughs) years ago. But I have to tell you that democracy always was an illusion. We're not really control. Someone else is. And I think we can all grasp that fact and run with it. Because that is what's happening. There is no denying that. Yes, London, England, say, a whole lot different than Paris, France, on vigilance. People worried, always looking over their shoulder. 
this crowd that has been invading the EU, this, this group I was talking about earlier, coming from the North African countries and the Middle East, and descending on the EU. The human traffickers, they're the ones that supplied this unarmed army of migrants, Islamic migrants. Do you think they all got the idea to go to the EU at once? Because there's thousands of them coming now. They were offered a deal by the traffickers. A deal to guarantee them safe passage to Europe, too. Guaranteed! They're being told, well, the first ones were, they were being told that they were guaranteed to get into the European Union. You could go wherever you wanted. You could even go to very rich Germany. So that was, that was the, the, the desired place to go. And they were told that the EU would accept them. And for a time, the leaders were all about accepting them, weren't they? Now they're starting to put up fences. Now they're starting to defend themselves against this Muslim army of migrants. And who knows who is included in their numbers? Who are these people? Are there plants in there? Or not? Getting back to the uh, human traffickers closing the deal with the wannabe migrant offered a deal guaranteed safe passage to Europe guaranteed told they'd get in and a pretty good price. While the first few waves were very successful, fueling the desire for more and more of them to bite, take the human traffickers ride. And once they saw others who had left and got through to the EU, hordes managed to escape their country, leave and come to the EU or attempt to. And their way looked to be clear to go. In fact, it looked like it was a done deal. Good price? Safety? Guaranteed you're going to be let in when you reach there? That was a bargain. That's how the Illuminati, who are the ones building and shaping our world, managed to create this massive exodus of people from the Middle East like an Islamic army marching toward the EU unarmed? Or are they? Well, they are until they get into your country, it could be. Couldn't it? And then the plants could, well, do what they were sent over to do, create terrorism, and fear. That event, this mass exodus of people, as well as the chain reaction crisis that followed, that being the screening and all the identification of the migrants, was a huge problem for the authorities. It still is today. And it can't be done fast enough. Problem. 
problem. Many go through without being screened. That is a scenario that was meticulously planned, I'm sure, to unfold in this way. The idea being, flood EU borders with migrants. Allow some to slip through unscreened in the chaos and confusion. Those militants that slip through into the country illegally, or who even have fake ID, can later be unleashed and used to create the fear and terror required to change the attitude of citizens in the countries and cities they make it to. Like Paris, France. When they get to their destination, they would then get in touch with their prearranged contacts already in that city, say Paris, who would then give them the weapons and equipment required to execute the attacks just like they were trained to do, just like the one that occurred yesterday, Friday the 13th, as you're painfully aware, I'm sure. You did realize it was on a Friday the 13th, don't you? The cult, the Illuminati cult, love to leave their mark on their events. The number 13 is their mark, their number. It's the number of the cult. It symbolizes resurrection. The number 13, reincarnation, eternal life. It's the occult ritual of reincarnating an ancient global one-world empire, too, in the place of our current system, democracy, capitalism. Because both of those ideas are dead. Democracy, capitalism. Remember, Barack Obama touched on that very point just hours ago when he said terrorism will never defeat democracy. It already is. We've already entered the process of defeating it. They'll make some more new laws that will shape and reshape and reshape the world until, well, we're just over the top of laws. Which means your freedoms will be severely curbed. It won't take many more attacks like this one in Paris yesterday to complete the job either. The elites can't wait to grab even more of your freedoms and take them away. The sooner they do, the easier it's going to be for them to convince us all that we now must live in a world that, well, has no borders. We must change the religions. No borders? For supposed purposes of trade, of course. No freedoms? Of the purpose designed to control the mindset of the people. To turn Earth into a de facto surveillance society with software as the spy. Don't you get it? I believe that this Paris attack is just the first terrorist attack of others to come in the EU and other countries who have arranged for the acceptance of migrants. 
I believe the so-called fast-tracking of refugees to other countries is going to be the open door for more of the same of what we witnessed this past weekend in France. This is Spaceman Talk Radio, AM 640. More coming up after the break. I'm going to call Space. It's a view from Space Talk Radio, AM 640. Please direct your emails to space at 640toronto.com or spaceman at 640toronto.com. And I thank you so much for the ones that you've sent. Uh, on a night like tonight, especially with a, an Illuminati event weekend, isn't that strange? It's usually been that way lately, hasn't it? Where this breaks, these events break just before the show hits the air. All right. I want to reiterate what I just talked about before the break. I want to reset for you because this is a very huge part. This is where we're moving on from the homegrown terrorism threat now. Because, you see, it wasn't enough to just have the terrorism over there or the other side of the world and sending your armed forces over there and hearing the stories coming back about how things are going. That's not good enough. It's not getting you involved enough. So they come up with the homegrown terrorist aspect, which basically brings the war from over there to over here. Now you have to deal with what's in your country. Now we've gone a little farther. Now we're having migrants from the Middle East and the very area that is trouble, Syria. Most of them coming from Syria. Flooding the EU and parts of North America with refugees. I said before the break, and I will reiterate it again, I believe that this terrorist attack is just the first terrorist attack of others to come in the EU and other countries who have arranged for the acceptance of migrants. And I believe this so-called fast-tracking of migrants to other countries is to be the open door that will spawn more of the same that we witnessed this past weekend in Paris, France, on Friday the 13th. Just as I was coming up with that concept on my show prep earlier this morning, this came out. Jihadis sneak into France as fake Syrian refugees. Fresh security concerns over Europe's borders as authorities reveal killers, including a 15-year-old proud streets, in three coordinated teams. Did you hear that? Jihadis sneak into France as fake Syrian refugees. The French authorities have made the statement they believe that at least two of the terrorists came from Syria through Greece. 
precisely what I was believing was underway. Confirmed not long after. As they begin to sort the facts out of who the terrorists were and who the victims were. Pretty interesting, isn't it? Because this is the beginning. It's not the end. We're on a fast track, if you like to use their words, route to World War III. They're itching to get it going. Because the sooner, and they're on a timeline, the sooner they get it going, the sooner their new empire will rise with their new shining, wonderful, god-like leader. All right, I have some numerology that I want to cover here. And uh, I just want to start with uh, KM and his email. Friday the 13th. Operative number here, 13. He's doing numerology. 129 dead. 352 injured being reported. 129 plus 352 equals 481. 4, 8, and 1. 4 plus 8 plus 1. Broken down in numerology? A 13. And did you know that there were 127 for quite a while? Until they bumped it up. 128. And then the later hours of this afternoon, here in North America at least, they bumped it up to the final number of 129 and 352 injured. It forms a 13. On 11-13, November 11th, yesterday, Listen, be carefully for this numerology now. 311 days after the Charlie Hebdo massacre. 311 days. This figure's huge. Hold on. Charlie Hebdo, January 7th, 11 killed. 11 injured. 11 was the number for the Charlie Hebdo massacre. 11. All over it. Paris experienced its largest terrorist attack in history then. The attack was also 85 days after the train attack, a 13 again. On 8-21, or 8 plus 2 plus 1, an 11. 11 died as part of the attacks on a couple restaurants and the 11 arrondissement of Paris, the district, was one of the locations of these six attacks on November 13. The 11 arrondissement reached its peak population in France, in Paris, in the year 1911. The most recent death toll I heard was 158, which was also 158 
or 113. That was earlier on in the publications of the numbers. And I said then, I wouldn't be surprised if that number went higher. But I also wouldn't be surprised if it was a connection with numerology. The 11 arrondissement of Paris is one of the locations of the multiple terrorist attacks. The area of this arrondissement or district is 3.666 kilometers squared. At least 11 people died in shootings at two restaurants, La Petite Cambodge and La Carillon, and they're right across the street from each other. 311 days is an 11 and a 13 in reverse. This is not an accident, and it points to rebellion, chaos, judgment, in numerology. Remember, these things must come to pass. But look to Revelation 3.11. <laughs> yeah. Revelation 3.11. Read that. The attack in Paris on January of this year, the 7th of January, was all about 11s. Charlie Hebdo. 11 injured, 11 killed. See what I mean? Charlie Hebdo is located in the 11th arrondissement uh, district in Paris. The 11th arrondissement district has, as I said, the greatest population, 1911. As well, several related attacks followed the Ile-de-France region, and all 11 killed. The date of the Charlie Hebdo attack, January 7th. 2015. The date of yesterday's Paris attack, November 13th. The days in between both events, 311 days. Exactly. Just look at the black magic aura of that number, 311. It has the royal number, 3. It contains an 11. The number 311 also contains a 13. It contains a five, the number of death in Vedic numerology. Fortress for the Illuminati. Shocking, isn't it? Oh, I know. It's it's absolutely mind-boggling. And I do want to cover one more thing. And that is this number of 311. 311. I tell you that we're seeing a grand ritual that's in progress. The Eagles of Death, the band that was on stage at Bataclan Concert Theater, released an album called Death by sexy. The uh, Eagles of Death. Metal, I'm sorry. It was a rumored that the release date was going to be sometime in the summer of 2005, this Death by Sexy. Pushed back to April 11th, 2006. And you'll never guess what number it reached on the independent U.S. music chart. It was number 11. Oh, 
And where did it enter? The charts in the U.S.? At 113. A backward 311. Coincidence? Sure. The Charlie Abdo attack was about the number 11. Yesterday's Paris attack was about the number 13. Again, exactly 311 days in between events. Yes. <laughs> it's pretty incredible. That there is something, I believe, that is involved in a grand ritual. And the number 11, of course, meaning destruction in numerology, the 13 number of reincarnation, rebirth, everlasting life, just as the terrorizing feelings that were felt by all in the first attack at Charlie Hebdo when it occurred were reborn again. Resurrected, brought back to life. The Paris attacks yesterday brought them back to life. It was reincarnation with the number 13. November 13th, bringing back the Charlie Hebdo feeling. Indeed, what we're dealing with here is a living, breathing, occult ritual being manifest as breaking news in the Illuminati-controlled mass media. Space back with more on Talk Radio AM 640 after this. I'm the guy to call Space. It's a view from Space. It's Talk Radio AM 640. Emails, please, to space at 640toronto.com or spaceman at 640toronto.com. And I thank you. For the one that you sent me. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you here, and uh, it's numerology once again. This is astounding. Three eleven. All right, huge number in this event on the weekend. Three eleven just happens to also turn up at the 2015 United Nations Climate Change Conference being held in Paris coming up the end of the month. It's another 311. November 30th this time. Drop the zero. It means nothing in numerology. November the 11th month, 30. Drop the zero. You have a Backward 311. When does this United Nations Climate Change Conference going to be held in Paris at the end of the month in a couple of weeks end? December 11th. December the 12th month. One and two are three. The 11th day of December. Another 311 this time. The right, 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 right way around. So, the United Nations Climate Change Conference has a backward 311 and a forward 311 and its start and end dates. <laughs> the Illuminati event on the weekend, Friday the 13th, from January 7th 
to the 13th, the Charlie Hebdo attacks, to last night's attacks in Paris, 311 days. Black magic is what you call that. There's no other explanations. It is a living, breathing, occult ritual being manifest as breaking news in your Illuminati-controlled mass media. Does it sound like ISIS's commanders, their religious leaders, are into numerology? Well, it sounds like it, doesn't it? But to me, it sounds a lot more like the ones whom I believe control both sides in every fight. The movers and shakers of our world, the Illuminati and its cult, the ones I follow and trace through history, who's forever using the number 13 to identify themselves. This time, the number 13 is paired together with the 11 of destruction. All in that 311 number, the royal number, the number of destruction, and the number of rebirth and reincarnation. Wow. And as well, the affixed dates of the upcoming Parisian, going to be held in Paris, 2015 United Nations Climate Change Conference, starts 11-3, November 30th, ends December 11, 311 the 21st yearly session. And it's the 11th session in the meeting of the parties since the 1997 Kyoto Protocol. And the object of this upcoming conference in Paris is to achieve a legally binding and universal agreement on climate change from all nations of the world. You know what I just said there? Give me some money because you're dirtying my air. There'll be a carbon tax. And the black magic spell has been cast. Containing a 311. Friday the 13th. 311, what a number. The number of the cult, 13. Why 13? Rebirth, reincarnation. And what is called the 13th Illuminati bloodline is also known as the Merovingian bloodline, the Atlantean bloodline. It's considered the purest satanic lineage of all, from Cain all the way up to this coming Antichrist. The descendants of this most ancient of bloodlines have given birth to some of the most infamous occult fraternities in the world, like the Celtic Druids, Witchcraft, Tamar, Mystery Schools, the Knights Templar, the Illuminati, the Scottish Rite Freemasons. As their own history will state, they are all direct descendants of Satan's first son, Cain, the first murderer and the first builder of the earth's ancient cities. 
making him really the first ever Freemason, as they are the builders of the world. Just look at the symbolism of Freemasonry. It's made up of the compass and the square, two tools essential for building things. When the God of the King James Version of the Bible banishes Cain from the area of Eden's east after killing Abel, he makes it so that nobody would be fooled by who he was, and that if they followed him, it would be because they knew full well who he was and who they were serving, and also so that no one should harm him or his offspring for all time. And they should then be allowed to carry out their great work. A 6,000-year quest so far, which will end in the reign of the Antichrist, which was first prophesied in Genesis 3, King James Version of the Bible, yes, Genesis 3, verses 15 and 16. The Illuminati are going to follow the King James Version of the Bible to the letter. I've said it many times, and we'll say it again. Most of the earliest attempts to account for Trace, this seed of Satan, were books written by, well, people which did extensive research and genealogy on the descendants of Cain. The Cainites' Luciferian sun cult symbolizes also the hexagram, the original seal of King Solomon, a triangle and what is now the cross of Lorraine, the double cross, a vertical line with two crosses on its members, one underneath of the other. It's the Exxon logo, the cross of Lorraine, the double cross. That's the 13th bloodline, the double-crossers. The 13th bloodline itself has been traced as far back and east, all the way into, well, you guessed it, ancient Egypt, Samaria, ancient Persia, as well as Rome. This is important and makes vital connections to many because this sacred symbol the all-seeing above, the all-seeing eye above the pyramid, which is supposedly of Egyptian origin, but really goes back farther than the pyramid. And, and then it's actually traced to ancient Samaria, Britannia, and directly into one mythological island nation, whose existence in the ancient Atlantic is entirely believed in the occult, but it is only a myth in the world. Once again, proving to be the root source of all secret societies, the source of all magic, especially druid magic, which is even being used on you and I today. Yes, their true power source is connected in some way to Atlantis, the all-seeing eye as well as the number 13 itself. And the last ascension step of the pyramid, represented on the American dollar, there are 13 steps in the pyramid. 
representing the finality of the great work and its final stage, where on the bill of the empire that's to fall and make way for this new one that's to come. The all-seeing eye represents the sun-possessed king, the Antichrist, upon the world throne in Jerusalem. Thirteen has always had unique connections to the number 666. The eye above the 13-stepped pyramid symbolizes the Egyptian solar god Horus, son of Osiris, lord of the underworld. Horus is the son of Satan. The eye actually represents the Antichrist to the occult world. In reality, the entire symbol itself, on the back of the U.S. dollar, symbolizes the satanic trinity with the divine couple. Father Osiris, Mother Isis, the parents of Horus, the ultimate magical child. Today's Freemasonry now believes that we now have, in fact, a leading member of that bloodline, the latest incarnation through Princess Diana, Prince William, making the eye belong, belonging to the one king who is to rule all others from the Merovingian bloodline. Spaceman Talk Radio AM six forty more right after this break. I'm the guy to call space. It's a view from space. It's Talk Radio AM six forty. You can email me at spaceman at six forty Toronto dot com or space at six forty Toronto dot com. AI writes. I was thinking France, of course, played such a major role in the Crusades of the Middle Ages. Could this play into why France is being singled out? Possibly a, a signature move to convey the idea of a modern crusade, Friday the 13th, the date King Philip IV ordered Jacques de Molay and other French Templars to be arrested and dissolved, supposedly, the Knights Templar, who keep the bloodline and the descendants from Cain. They are the ones who are pointing to a certain bloodline as this powerful coming Antichrist. Yes, the Merovingians, the bloodline, the purest from the bloodline of Cain. And a few obscure prophecies in the Bible will point to the fact that the tribe of Dan will produce the Antichrist. And in the context of these prophecies, Samson's riddle may be a prophecy that the descendants of the tribe of Dan will one day try to destroy the tribe of Judah in jealous revenge for the King James Version of God's judgment on their idolatry from the carcass of the young lion that was to be. Judaism, the tribe of Dan, symbolized by the bees, will attempt to produce a golden 
age, symbolized by honey. It's the Merovingians who plan this, who plan to rule the world from their future throne and capital at Jerusalem. Claim to come from the tribe of Judah through Jesus Christ and Mary Magdalene do these Merovingians, but are not. After all, the weight of evidence indicates that they actually descended from the tribe of Dan, although the Bible King James Version clearly states that Samson was of the family of the tribe of Dan. Although the Bible says, Judges 13, 2, the Merovingian descendants claim that his lineage includes the Messianic tribe of Judah. Okay, Samson, the Superman hero, came from the tribe of Dan, but his mother was from Judah. Samson, in some respects, was considered a a forerunner of the Messiah who would come from Judah, but his mother, according to the Midrash, a Jewish study of Hebrew roots compiled between 400 A.D. and 1200 A.D., will be of the tribe of Dan. The world, I believe, is being prepared right now to submit to those new laws under a restored Sanhedrin. The name Dan even means judge in Hebrew. Many lawyers and judges are of Irish descent of a particular type, also quite a few in the in the police force. Descendants of Dan today appear to be concentrated in Ireland, Britain, the States, and especially Denmark. Maybe it should be pronounced Danmark. Merovingian descendants also are in position of power, leading pseudo-Christian organizations. These Merovingian agents actively promote the Hebrew roots and the Messianic movement as the catalyst for controlling Christians. I believe religion is being used by the Illuminati to control man. I believe that religion is being used to pit one side against another to create the chaos. There is a a carefully hidden design to use the rejected tribe of Dan as an instrument and cover for a false messiah. Yes, there is one coming that is going to say he's one thing and then becomes another. There's precious little information to be found in the way of the exposure of the Merovingian dynasty as the satanic bloodline from which the Antichrist and false prophet will also come. Whatever lip service is paid to this subject is usually accompanied by enough misinformation to keep the masses of Christians ignorant of the truth. Yet, the King James Version of the Bible presents specific evidence concerning the identities of this global leader that's to come, that all this chaos is being created for to change to get to. The evidence concerning the identities of the Antichrist, the false prophet, the mark of the beast, mystery Babylon the Great, and other 
entities will be imperative for you if you really want to know where we're at, what the truth is, what the tribulation period is going to be. For instance, Revelation 13.1, which identifies the Antichrist as the beast that rises out of the sea, becomes a crystal clear thing upon discovery that a, a demonic bloodline that exists today that was originally sired by well, what the myth says, this mysterious sea beast, this misty Neptunus, this creature was Neptune, the mythological god of the sea who founded Atlantis, which is the pagan version of the demonic pre-flood, by the way, which God judged in Genesis 7 in the Christian Bible, the King James Version of the Bible, Genesis 6, 1 through 4, verses describes the civilization and the intermarriage of mankind with demons. And it is possible that the cursed seed of the serpent continued after the deluge through Noah's son, Ham. So the flood supposedly to wipe out the bloodline of the Cainites did not get the job done. One slipped through. Noah's son, Ham. Read all about it. Genesis 9, 25 in your King James Version of your Bible. Merovingian authors, like Lawrence Gardner, I spoke about last week, speak about the demonic bloodline of the Visti Neptunus in New Age books like the Bloodline of the Holy Grail. Here's a quick sample. It was the Arcadian legacy. Arcadia was ancient Samaria. That was responsible for the very... The, the Arcadia was actually the very first place homestead of the tribe of Cain, Arcadia. Akkad. And now, wherever the Merovingian bloodline spreads to its power, it will name certain places that it lands Arcadia, Akkad, Arkad something similar to that name because it goes back to the very first place of this bloodline the Arcadian legacy that was responsible for the mysterious sea beast the Bisti Neptunus as symbolically defined in the Merovingian ancestry as the father the relevant sea lord was King Pallas, a god of old Arcadia. His predecessor was the great Oceanus, the immortal sea lord, who is said to be ever incarnate in a dynasty of ancient kings whose symbol was fish. I believe the false prophet is going to be the Pope, leading the Christian world in Catholicism like a Pied Piper to worship the Antichrist. Yes, this this incredible bloodline, the high cabal of the Merovingians, is the Prayer de Sion in Paris, which directs all secret societies worldwide. Yes, I said 
Paris. They have a huge foothold there. The Merovingians were the kings of France in ancient times. Yet the Grand Master in the Priory of Sion remains almost totally unknown, except to New Agers whose network of secret societies functions as an actual occult underground, and the most powerful individual on earth is well hidden from the masses. That is until the time that is appointed, when, as the scripture foretells, the man of sin shall be revealed. Second Thessalonians. Chapter 2, verse 2. King James Version of the Bible. I believe that some already know the identity of the false Christ, this false prophet, and even a few other tribulation counterfeits throughout their study of astrology, as interpreted by a large reservoir of occult tradition and today's propaganda being spread by New Age publications and through our entertainment industry. Because the story is woven into those plots also. During the first century AD, Alexandria, Egypt, was a, a veritable hotbed of mystical activity. It was a crucible where Judaic, Mithraic, that's sun worship, Zoroastrian, more sun worship, Pythagorean, Hermetic, and non-Platonic doctrines were all taught, combined with a ton of other ideas. The Neoplatonists are Greek philosophers who lived long enough after Plato to have lost the name of Platonists as far as modern scholars are concerned, although they were intellectual disciples and considered themselves followers of Plato. It was in the early centuries of the Christian era that the ancient worship of the mother goddess was introduced to Christianity by Alexandrian Jews who had believed in Neoplatonism. The Greek adaptation of Virgo, the mother goddess, was Demeter, whose daughter Kore was adapted by Pluto, the god of the other world. Kore would remain the dark lord's queen, and her name would no longer be Kore, the maiden, but Persephone. It means... She who is to be feared. The Alexandrian Jews worshipped Cory and managed to convert their pagan goddess worship into theologically respectable tradition called Gnosticism by giving her the disguise or look of Christianity. It's Spaceman. This is Talk Radio AM 640. More after the break. It's a view from space on Talk Radio AM 640 on the Spaceman. Got some information? Got a critique of the show? Got a comment? Or you just want to say where in the world you're listening to a view from space from on Talk Radio AM 640? Feel free to email me at space at 640toronto.com or spaceman at 640toronto.com. MR writes, Hey, Mr. Spaceman, I'm connected to your program, and the topic is really somewhat frightening. 
I was reading a lot of books, and I happened to read something about the Knights Templars and their many connections. I would like to believe that the Knights Templar, known today as Freemasons or the Illuminati, are connected to ISIS, which was called before as Nizari assassins. The bombings last Friday happened Friday the 13th in Paris. The suppression of the Templars by King Philip IV of France was also Friday the 13th, 1307. Do you think there is a connection? Yes. And I'm going through it big time right now because Freemasonry comes from Solomon's Templars. The Knights Templar. And they are the ones that have kept close, jealous guard of the purest of the bloodline that comes from the tribe of Cain all the way up to today's people. And the one that is the most purest, I believe, is walking the planet Earth today and whose time is coming soon to fulfill his role as the Antichrist. I believe we are that close. That's why I think there's so much happening in the world now that we, the citizens, are the target and not armies. This never happened before in world history. The king's armies always fought the king's army. And the winner had the biggest king's army. Because all the other guys were melded into one, the one that he defeated. And now, I believe, we're to the point where all has been grabbed by a certain group and control all through their power to control through money and position. It was the early centuries of the Christian era that the ancient worship of the Mother Goddess was introduced to Christianity. Now, it was the Gnostic culture, too, of Alexandria that the Mother Goddess evolved into Mary Magdalene. And here it's apparent that the worship of the Mother Goddess, Virgo, under the appellation of Isis, spread from Egypt into Israel and from Israel to the centers of the Roman Empire. You see, the Roman emperors were a bloodline, too, that were connected to Cain. All of the empires of the world have one singular bloodline running through it, the Cainite bloodline. The cult of Isis, widespread in the area of Egypt, in the dynastic period, in the history of Egypt, it was spread northwards to Phoenicia, Syria, then Palestine, to Asia Minor, to Cyprus, to Rhodes, to Crete, to Samos, and other islands in the Aegean, to many parts of mainland Greece, Corinth, Argos, Thessaly, amongst them, to Malta, Sicily, and finally, to Rome. In the first century B.C., Isis 
was perhaps the most popular goddess in the Eternal City, and from there her cult spread to the farthest limits of the Roman Empire, including Britain. Her only rival was Mithras. Isis. In our news cycle daily. Putting it in front of you. Constantly keeping the past alive. Because the past is now. We're just repeating history. Isis worshipped in the ancient Roman Empire. Why? Because all of the Roman emperors came from Isis. Isis would have a New Year's tryst with the king that she chose. She was the Pope in those days, and the Pope, as you'll recall, when Catholicism ran the world, they picked who the kings were, and of course they picked it from their favorite bloodlines. Isis was the religion back then, and the king was picked by her. She would have sex with the king once a year on New Year's. Sometimes a child was conceived, and those children are the Roman Empire's leaders, the emperors of ancient Rome. That's where the Roman connection is with Egypt, the cult of Isis. The worship of the Virgin Mary in the Roman Catholic Church, along with the entire body of Catholic tradition, can be traced to the worship of Isis in Egypt. Immaculate is Our Lady Isis. The very same words applied afterwards to that person, the Virgin Mary, who was just superimposed over top of Isis and the religious cult that was running then. Virgin Mary succeeded Isis into her form, titles, symbols, rites, and ceremonies. As the religion changed, it was Constantine who was the first one to politically accept Christianity as the new religion by the Pope. And so he became, Constantine became, the bloodline of Cain became the first emperor of the Roman Empire. That's the empire that's going to be destroyed and then come back again. It's the EU. It's the European Union. If you look at the exact amount of land that the ancients called the Roman Empire, we'll see that come again. And that is going to be the power when we come down to a knock-down, drag-em-out, trade war. European Union will win that battle and will be the dominant force as America goes down. The world goes to war and then the Antichrist appears out of the smoke and ashes of that third world war. 
to give a new look, a new breath of life when it's actually going to be death to the world. We're simply repeating history, and it's going to happen again. Just as immaculate is our Lady Isis, the same words applied now to the Virgin Mary in the Roman Catholic Church. And, and, and so her followers even carried into the new priesthood the former badges of their profession, the obligation to celibacy, the shaving off their heads, the hair, the loose-fitting white ecclesiastical gown with white sleeves worn over a cassock, the black virgins so highly worshipped in certain French cathedrals were merely superimposed figures of Isis. Because you see, Isis was the black virgin. Nimrod was black. In 412 A.D., Cyril of Alexandria became the bishop of Alexandria. The well-known theosophist, founder of theosophists, Theosophy, H.P. Blavatsky, wrote in Isis Unveiled this, Cyril, the bishop of Alexandria, had openly embraced the cause of Isis, the Egyptian goddess, and had morphed her into Mary, the mother of God. Cyril wrote passionately and had a, a lot against the Nestorian heresy, and was the man who had the largest role in having it condemned at the Council of Ephesus in 431. The third ecumenical council of the Roman Catholic Church was held at Ephesus in Greece, whose philosophy and culture were, like Egypt, taken from the occult traditions of the pre-flood civilization. The Council of Ephesus condemned the Nestorian heresy, but approved the veneration of the Virgin Mary as Theotokos, the God-bearer or mother of God. Theotokos. Nestorius and the Nestorians were exiled to the Persian Empire and became the Assyrian Orthodox Church of the East. You see how the Illuminati, the elites, break up through their power of religion to control man and move it along. We're about to have another religious change. But in what appears to have been a classical dialectical operation, the way it had been cleared for Mary, that would be the mother of God, to be transformed from the mother of God to a deity in the image of the goddess Isis, who shared in the divinity of her son Horus. That's why Mary, in the Roman Catholic Church today, is a god. The same as the god I, goddess Isis, who shared in the divinity with her son, who was Horus, the reincarnation of Osiris. Immaculately conceived, Isis had Horus. Yes, immaculately conceived. It's not the first 
woman in history, Mary, Mother of God, to be a virgin and give birth. Yes, a whole bunch of information, a whole load of history ties in the Virgin Mary, the Mother of God, and the Roman Catholic Church with Isis of the ancient Egyptian mystery religion. Spaceman, Talk Radio, AM 640. More next. I'm the Spaceman. This is Talk Radio, AM 640. View from space, you can email me, spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com and inbox overflowing tonight with a topic, of course. But it's like most shows. So I want to thank you so much for the ones that you've sent. I really appreciate it. And I really have to commend you on, well, taking another road than what the Illuminati-controlled mass media paint as the truth in the mass media. I thank you for that. So even the style of monks living in a monastery that found a home in Roman Catholicism originated in ancient Mesopotamia. Because this is the real religion of the elites, the ones, the movers, the shakers of the world that are leading us. Yes, the practice of living an extreme self-denial type of lifestyle in order to be closer to God. Well, that's not Christian. Well, that goes back to Hermes. Trismegistus, or Thoth. The god from the pre-flood civilization of Atlantis, who was the prototype of the hermit monk. The Council of Nicaea, 321 AD, may have been another dialectical operation. Because there, St. Athanasius, as Bishop of Alexandria, valiantly combated the Arian heresy, but he also incorporated in the canons the writings of the church the requirement of celibacy for Christian leaders. Following this victory over the Arians, Anastasius traveled throughout Europe promoting monasticism. And, and and is created with uh, credited rather with introducing it specifically to the Romans and the Germans monasticism monasteries monks in the Gnostic theology of Anastasius only aesthetics were considered the bride of Christ a pernicious teaching which influenced a lot of devout Christians to seek Christ in monasteries and convents. These religious orders were often, are you ready, fronts for the occult, as well as homosexual, lesbian activity in those days. That was never to be accepted. That belief system enforced celibacy and 
monastic life, having borne evil fruit throughout the centuries, and had been evident of the rampant sexual perversion of the Roman Catholic priesthood in the hierarchy, even a way back then. It was through the establishment of monasteries that the Merovingians, this bloodline that comes from the line of Cain, the purest, the 13th bloodline, whose forefathers were the Alexandrian Gnostics, infiltrated the Roman Catholic Church, and from its the monastic, the monastic uh, movement that the false prophet, also a Merovingian, yes, same bloodline, will rise to prominence and power as the Antichrist's right-hand man. In the thoroughly pagan religion, of Alexandria, an Egyptian seraphic priest, and Magus by the name of Ormesius, founded the monastic society of Ormus. The members of this society included the Therapeutae of Alexandria, the Ascends of Qumran. The Ascends of Qumran were sort of like the environmentalists today, or or or, or even more uh, the 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 Hutterites, the ones that won't use gasoline, uh, the ones that don't have technology, television, the ones that keep themselves locked away in in their own world. They had embraced the secret doctrine of the lost continent of Atlantis, the ascends of Qumran, and the Therapeutae of Alexandria. And the source of all ancient occult beliefs, of course, is the continent of Atlantis. Gnostics believe that Amesius was a convert of St. Mark, but these types of conversions are a common, well, modus operandi of infiltrators with hidden agendas. As a, as a false convert... Armesius, you see, would mix Christianity with the paganism of Alexandria and establish his monastic society, which was the original order of the Rosy Cross. The founder of the Rosicrucians was Armesius. Rosicrucians, by the way, believe in a Gnostic religion, meaning knowledge will gain you enough power to become a god. So, the founder of the Rosicrucians, Armesius, who had supposedly been converted by St. Mark at Alexandria in 46 AD, he purified the Egyptian rites and reconciled them with Christianity, carrying his disciples with him and founded the Society of Ormus, or of the Light, each member wearing a red cross. To this society... The Ascends and Therapeutae joined themselves and kept the Masonic secrets. The Society of Ormus would re- relocate later to Italy, where in 1070 AD, its monks would relocate to land in France, owned by the first Grand Master of the Priory of Sion, of the bloodline of Cain, one Godfrey de Bouillon, who, by the way, 
George W. Bush, Jeb Bush, who's running for president now, and George Herbert Walker Bush, their family related to Godfrey de Bouillon, the one who led the First Crusade, backed with Roman Catholic Church money to invade Jerusalem, to take back Jerusalem from the Muslim. We're still there today. So Godfrey de Bouillon, the first Grand Master of the Priory of Sion, relocated. The Society of Ormus relocates to land in France owned by him. There the monks were given a tract of land in Orval, owned by Saint Bernard of Clairvaux, founder of the Cistercian uh, Order of Monks, by the way, and the author of the Rule of the Templars. The Society of Ormus became the Priory of Sion, which originally was the Knights Templar. Priory documents imply that an abbey existed by 1100 and housed an order of the name Order of Sion, which may have formed earlier, but it's known that in 1070, 29 years before the First Crusade began, a specific band of monks from Calabria, southern Italy, arrived in the vicinity of the Ardennes Forest, part of Godfrey de Bouillon's land, and also, by the way, the Merovingian king's summer hideaway, summer cottage, if you'd like, was located in the Ardennes forest. According to Gerard, that's in France, according to Gerard, outside of Paris, according to Gerard Desides, his band of monks was led by an individual called Ursus, the name the Priory of Sion documents consistently connect with this Merovingian bloodline, this 13th bloodline. At Orval, not far from Stenay, where Dagobert II, a Merovingian former king, had been assassinated by some 500 years earlier, an abbey was built to house the monks. By 1108, they had mysteriously well, disappeared. Orval, by 1131, had become one of the fiefs owned by St. Bernard. A little tract of land owned by St. Bernard. In 1188, the Order of Sion, said to have modified its name, adopting the one that's allegedly obtained to the present, what we now know as the Priory of Sion. In French, Prière de Sion. It's a, a kind of s- subtle subtitle. And it's said to have adopted the curious name Ormus. The subtitle was supposedly used until 1306, a year before the arrest of the Templars by King Philip of France, King Philip IV. The device for Ormus involves a kind of erostic or anagram which combines a number of key words and symbols. Ours means bear in French, ursus in Latin, an echo, as it's become apparent of Dagobert II in the Merovingian dynasty. Orm is French for elm or a 
course, is gold also. D'or in French, gold. And the M that forms the frame enclosing the letters is not only an M, but also the astrological sign for Virgo. Oh, there's much hidden meaning, cleverly disguised as Christianity, too. The signature of the prior of Sion utilized the sign of Virgo with four letters, O-R-U-S, in the form of a cross within the symbol. The name of Ormus incorporated the gods Virgo and Horus, exactly like the Madonna and the child in Christianity. Here's a glyph. It goes like this. What is this? Ormus. That is Virgo and Orus. What is Orus? Orus is a corrupted form of Horus, where we get our word horizon, and is used in Crowley's fifth degree ritual for the Ordo Templi Orientis. His Rosy Cross ritual includes an analysis of the key word, much like the Golden Dawn Adeptus Minor Ceremony. Only I-A-O stands not for Isis, Apophis, and Osiris, but Icarus, Asi, and Orus. Ormus evolved into the order of the Priory of Sion, of the Rosicross, the Rosicrucians. One is intended to see in Ormus the origins of the so-called Rosicroi, or Rosicrucians. And in 1188, the Priory of Sion is said to have adopted a second subtitle, in addition to Ormus, and it's said to have called itself Lord de la Rose Cross Veritas, Ormus. That was the name, allegedly, adopted by the Priory of Sion between 1188 and 1307. It's the Spaceman Talk Radio AM640, tracing the Merovingian bloodline from where the Antichrist will come from. More right after this break on Talk Radio AM640. I'm a guy to call space. It's a view from space. It's talk radio AM 640. Emails to spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com. Thanks so much. I appreciate uh, for the ones that you've sent me. Before the break, I was talking about the order of priory of science. And they're the ones that keep the bloodline intact and who the latest purest bloodline member of the tribe of Cain is from the days of the tribe of Cain. After all, it was the monks, the monasteries that kept all of the, well, news as it was in those days, which is pretty much who is in power and who wasn't. And, of course, the popes with the Roman Catholic Church were the ones up until King Henry VIII who called who was to be king, just as Isis called who was to be king. 
and the ancient, time, ancient times of Mesopotamia and Sumeria, ancient Samaria. In 1099, the Merovingians, who are from that bloodline, in collusion with Pope Urban II, also a Merovingian, launched the First Crusade. The Merovingians have launched these attacks on Syria. The Merovingian bloodline has been pitting Islam and Christianity against one another. And, here's more, this royal group, the Merovingians, also control the Anglican Church and are the head. Because the Merovingians infiltrated the Christian world through monasticism, and it's confirming what's been long suspected that Pope Urban II was not the first Merovingian pope, the very first of this bloodline, but the sixth, in fact, in a succession of French Merovingian popes beginning in 999 AD, putting their people in power. The bloodline always has done this. 1088, Urban II, French Priory of Cluny, reformed Benedictines, becomes the pope. Urban was of the Eudes family. Not only the name of the king of the Franks, Eudes, who ruled from 888 to 898 and considered one of the antecedent kings of the Capetian House of France, but also the name of the royal Capetian line of Burgundy, the great-grandson of Hugh Capet, Eudes I, the Red of Burgundy, who was seated in 1079, nine years before the before Urban Uds became Pope. And the Uds, the Red, acceded in that specific year because his brother, Hugh I of Burgundy, had abdicated to become the prior of Cluny. Now something is very amiss here. Is this just coincidence? Both were sons of Henry of Burgundy, who married Sybil of Barcelona. Henry was son of Robert I of Burgundy, who was the son of Hugh Capet, Barcelona. Home of their mother was part of the Spanish March, connected to Septimania. And here, too, the Duke of Aquitaine in 1012 was Eudes of Aquitaine. And Aquitaine and Septimania are extremely significant. Well, it just so happens that Septimania, Languedoc, that area, is exactly where the Jesus Magdalene heresy flourished, where there was a large population of Cathar Jews who were given independent status by Pope Pepin, or I'm sorry, the Carolingian king Pepin. So their own kings ruled as seed of the royal house of David, each acknowledged as the king of the Jews, most famous of whom was Guillaume de Guillaume, the Prince of Orange. Confusing this 
who these kings also claimed to be the Merovingian descent, but not so confusing when you realize that Jesus was the follow was the house of David, and Mary Magdalene was from the town Magdala, four miles from Tiberias, founded by Herod Antipas, who was an Edomite descendant of Esau, who the Benjaminites married. Also, Absalom, David's son, who pulled a coup to tie on his own father in an attempt to take his throne, had a rebel following who would have joined the Benjaminite cause. Absalom died when his long hair got caught in branches in the forest during the coup. Second Samuel, verse 9, chapter 18, states it. And the Merovingians' first dynasty of French kings were the long-haired kings. The details of the separate kingdom of Septimania were erased from history books, but the descent bloodlines, the descendant bloodlines, rather, were apparently the heretical royal bloodlines. As Dukes of Aquitaine, Dukes of Lorraine, Dukes of Guise, Counts of Barcelona, Counts of Toulouse, Counts of Avignon, Counts of Reyes. And it was precisely a Duke of Aquitaine who founded Cluny. So Septimania now becomes extremely important because now Urban II, descendant of the Uds of Septimania and Cluny Prior, is the Pope who will call for the First Crusade, resulting in the crowning of a direct lineal descendant of Guillaume de Gallon, named Godfrey de Bouillon, Duke of Lorraine, as the King of Jerusalem. I told you that Godfrey de Bouillon was in the bloodline, in the genealogy, of the Bush family who's running for president and has been, well, has had two presidents so far. A third on the way, I believe. And Godfrey de Bouillon, originally from the Belgian area. Godfrey de Bouillon was known as the King of Jerusalem because he was of the Merovingian bloodline. As I said, the Bushes are. And the Bushes are also related to the Windsors in Buckingham Palace. The pretext for the First Crusade, recovery of the temple treasures and sacred sites. I mean, history... It's fascinating. If you don't know where we've been, you don't know where we are today. And you certainly won't know where we're going tomorrow. But if you know where we've been, you can see that history is simply repeating itself over and over. Yes, the pretext for the First Crusade the Crusades are on now. Jerusalem is now being surrounded. And it's only a matter of time before the big fight moves that way. 
And the pretext, of course, for the First Crusade was the recovery of the temple treasurer treasures that were supposedly buried in the ruins of King Solomon's temple. Concealed the real motive, though, of the Merovingians, was, which was really to retake Jerusalem, to rebuild the ancient temple of Solomon, and run the world. In chapter 30, Knight Kadash of Morals and Dogma, Albert Pike, the famous Freemason wrote, in 1118, nine knights crusaders in the east, among whom were Godfrey de Saint-Omer, Hildebain, consecrated themselves to religion and took an oath between the hands of the patriarch of Constantinople and a religious leader always secretly or openly hostile to that of Rome from the time of Photius, the avowed objective of the Templars was to protect the Christians who came to visit the holy places in the Middle East. But their secret objective was the rebuilding of the Temple of Solomon on the model prophesied by Ezekiel so that they might fulfill the prophecies of the Bible. This rebuilding formerly predicted by the Judaizing mystics of the earlier ages, had become the secret dream of the patriarchs of the Orient. The Temple of Solomon, rebuilt, consecrated to the Catholic worship, would become, in effect, the metropolis of the universe, the capital of the world. And I'm talking political here, not spiritual. That will be moved The spiritual capital will no longer be Jerusalem because I believe the world's monotheistic religions, Islam, Christianity, and Judaism that are all connected have Abraham as their father of all of those religions. That religion will be outlawed and a new one will take its place, which is the old one. Ala Isis, space back with more. The other side of this break on Talk Radio AM 640. This is AVFS. I'm the guy to call space. It's a view from space from Talk Radio AM 640. Emails to spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com. So the secondary objective may have been to deposit the Merovingian Holy Grail cash at Jerusalem. Because you see, there is a movement afoot to take Jerusalem and make it a political capital of this next empire that's going to come and the final empire this world will ever see. The original reason for the Templars wanting the temple to be rebuilt, intending to rebuild it, took as their models in the Bible the warrior masons of Zorobabel, who worked holding the sword in one hand and the trowel in the other. They were fighters and builders. So, it was the sword and the trowel that were the insignia 
of the Templars, who later on concealed themselves under the name of Brethren Masons. This name, Frere Masons, in French, adopted by way of secret reference to the builders of the Second Temple, was corrupted in English into Freemasons, as Pythagoror Vaucroton uh, was into Peter Gower of Groton in England. Or just as Karim or Kurum, a name turned into Hiram from a, a worker in brass and other metals, becoming the chief builder of the Haikal Kadosh, the holy house of the temple. And the words Banal and Banalam still appear in the Masonic degrees, meaning builders and builder. A secondary objective, as I said, may have been to deposit the Merovingian Holy Grail cash at Jerusalem. These artifacts will no doubt be discovered in the future as proof of Merovingian claims of their divine blood. DNA testing. That's what DNA testing is all about today. For this one event where the Merovingian will claim divine blood. And it will be proven to be correct through DNA. Christopher Knight, Robert Lomas, identify the Merovingian families which conspired with the Merovingian Pope in the book called The Second Messiah, Templars, the Turin Shroud and the Great Secret of Freemasonry. In that book they wrote this. The picture that was emerging was a group of European noble families descended from the Jewish lines of David and Aaron who had escaped from Jerusalem shortly before or possible even just after the fall of the temple. They had passed down the knowledge of the artifacts concealed within the temple to a chosen son of each family. Some of those families involved were the Counts of Champagne. In France, the Lords of Gisors, Lords of Bain, Counts of Fontaine, Counts of Anjou, Counts of de Bouillon, the Counts of Saint Clair of, uh, uh, of Roslin, the Counts of Brienne, Joinville, Chaumont, Saint Clair de Gisor, Saint Clair de Neg, and the most incestuous royal family in all of the houses of Europe, the Royal House of Europe, the Habsburgs. By 1095, the members of the Rex Deux families were almost certainly fully Christianized. Yet each of them must have had at least one male member who held the traditional history of their high-born Jewish roots close to his heart. No doubt they saw themselves as super-Christians, descendants of the very first church, and privy to the greatest secret this side of heaven. They were a silent elite. Call them the kings of God. History books record that Pope Urban II's leadership marked the papacy's assumption to the leadership of Western Christendom. If the Rex Deus group did exist, 
It's easy to see how the First Crusade provided these families with a perceived God-given opportunity to return to their holy temple to recover the treasure that was their birthright. And it would be done at exactly the same time that the Jewish writer of the Gospel of John the Divine had predicted. The Rex Deus families, who, the Rex Deus families are the ones that will tell you God told them they were to be king. Rex Deus families were at the forefront of the first in every crusade. Medieval scholars have long wondered why it should be that the same families drove all the crusades for their entire duration. And now we had a possible answer. Because it's the same families that are still warring in the Middle East. Once the Christian armies had secured Jerusalem, in the ancient times the non-Rex Deus leaders were quickly removed, and those families infiltrated the Jerusalem monarchy and the church to ensure that they would not be blocked in the holy endeavor of the kings of God to regain what their ancestors had left for them. It's all about entitlement with the elites. It's all about who they are. In 1114, the Rex Deus group told Baldwin, the king of Jerusalem at the time, that they wanted to post a small contingent of knights in Jerusalem to carry out some exploratory digging under the pretext of being guardians of the highways for pilgrims. Because you see, that's what the original Knights Templar did. They were sort of like the first American Express, where, say, uh, if you were in Turkey, you could leave your money with the Freemasons in Turkey and pick up your money again once you reached Jerusalem. Because, you see, traveling with all of your belongings was the way things were done in those days. When you traveled somewhere, you took everything with you, all of your money, there were no such things as banks and charge cards. So the Knights Templar would give you the money when you got to the other end. And of course, they would take some for themselves, the usury fee. But that's how they kept the pilgrims on pilgrimages to the Holy Land safe. They had no money. The Knights Templar were to give it to them when they re- when, when they reached their destination at the Knights Templar office. Look at the American Express business. In his book Behold a Pale Horse, William Cooper stated once that the real treasure the Templars dug up and took was not the temple artifacts at all, but actual relics pertaining to Jesus Christ, including his bones, could be used for DNA analysis, couldn't it? I've always wondered how Cooper knew this. Not only did William Cooper claim to know what the relics of Jesus are, but where they're hidden. Underlying Cooper's belief in this heresy is his rejection of the death, resurrection, and ascension, of course, of Jesus Christ. He wrote, One of the greatest secrets of the ages is the true story of the Holy Grail and the robe of Jesus, 
the remains of the cross of crucifixion and whether Jesus actually died or if he survived and produced a child. Many myths surround the Knights Templar concerning these relics. And most myths throughout history have at least some basis in fact. And if the source I checked are correct, Knights Templar survive today as a branch of the Illuminati and guard the relics, which are hidden in a location, I believe, that are known today, to this day, only to them. According to members of the intelligence community, when the New World Order is solidified, the relics will be taken out, will be united with the Spear of Destiny, the Longinus Spear, you know that's the one where the Roman centurion named Longinus was the one who stuck his spear into the side of Christ underneath of his ribs to, well, make sure that he came off the cross dead. Anyway, the Spear of Destiny will be reunited with the other relics when they are taken out, and will, according to legend, be given to the one who's to be the world's absolute powerful ruler. This may confirm beliefs passed down through the ages that describe the significance of these relics when united in the hands of one man. They also explain why Hitler had this desperate search for their hiding place during World War II. Again, I remind you that it makes not one iota of difference what you believe. If the Illuminati believe it, you will be affected by it. They are shaping our world. The Knights Templar were founded sometime during the 11th century in Jerusalem by the Priory of Sion for the express purpose of guarding the remaining relics, relics of Jesus and to provide military protection for the religious travelers, as I just remarked, during their pilgrimage to the Holy Land. The Priory of Sion was a religious order founded by Ormus upon Mount Sion, Jerusalem. The order set for itself the goal to preserve and record the bloodline of Jesus and the descendants of the house of David. Through every means available to them, the Priory of Sion has found and retrieved the remaining relics. I'm amazed at the authors of Holy Blood, Holy Grail, and the information that they have actually unearthed. Most of all, I'm amazed at their inability to put the puzzle together. The treasure hidden in France is not the treasure of the Temple of Jerusalem. It is the Holy Grail itself. The robe of Jesus. The last remaining pieces of the cross of crucifixion. And according to my sources, someone's bones. And I can tell you that the reality of the bones will shake the world to its very foundations if I've been told the truth. The relics are located in France, and I know the location, and so do the authors of Holy Blood, Holy Grail. But they do not know 
that they know, or do they? Spaceman Talk Radio, AM 640. I'm a spaceman. It's Talk Radio, AM 640. Emails to spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com. I so appreciate what you sent me tonight. Inundated, absolutely inundated tonight with a response tonight's show. But me... Evoking a response from you is not what I'm really here for. What I'm really here for is to give you alternative history, is to give you an alternative view of what the Illuminati-controlled mass media has been saying to you. And it's fight, believe me. I'm only one person. But I'm fighting with a big idea. One of my ideas is that the elites are in the process of staging a third world war to bring about a one world government and a change of religion with the demonization of Islam, Judaism, and Christianity to be outlawed. And will be proven to be wrong and a, a new reality. New religion will settle in. Luciferian. To be replaced. To replace Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Holy Blood, Holy Grail, the book, and the multiple multitude of, of Grail publications all claim that the future revelation of the treasure of rennes le chateau the French village where the Priory, Priory of Sion deposited the Templar's grail cash, supposedly, will be the undoing of Christianity. The Priory of Sion obviously plans to produce or manufacture relics which will be able to disprove the death, disprove the resurrection, disprove the ascension of Jesus Christ. A French website maintains that this is the famed secret of Rennes-le-Chateau. It states this, that the treasures of Rennes It's not material, but it contains the formal proof that the crucifixion did not take place, that Jesus was still alive in the year 45 A.D. Source of this priest, another priest, Anglican um, gun Alfred Leslie Lilly, dies in 1940, which had contacts with the modernistic Catholic movement based on the beginning of the Saint-Sulpice, like with Emil Hoffet. Now, returning to the Black Virgin, Virgin, during the 13th century, the Knights Templar were involved in the financing and otherwise lending support to the building of over 1,000 churches and cathedrals throughout Europe. These are these great cathedrals that many tourists go and explore. And I believe that these great cathedrals that were built throughout Europe 
in those times are actually the shape of the stars that will will be aligned exactly as the cathedrals have been built in Europe. So what the cathedrals reflect, looking down at Europe and seeing where they are, their configuration is exactly the same as it is above in the sky when the Antichrist returns. The stars will be aligned at a certain position. Those cathedrals, those great cathedrals throughout Europe, were built in the same concept and pattern as the stars above when the Antichrist is to take his place. So, these cathedrals will be outlawed and will actually be the time signature for when the Antichrist takes his place on the world stage. Now, after the outlawing of the Knights Templar in 1307, Friday the 13th, that was Jacques de Molay's arrest day, the Priory of Sion carried on quietly, mainstreaming the Black Virgin, particularly in France. Lawrence Gardner, who wrote Bloodline and the Holy Grail, of the astrological configuration of the French cathedrals, in accordance with the hermetic principle as above Sobolet, the combined ground plan, as I was saying, of the Notre Dame cathedrals actually replicates the Virgo constellation. The Notre Dame cathedrals were mainly the work of the Children of Solomon, a guide of, uh, sorry, a guild of, of, of masons instructed by St. Bernard's Cisterian Order. The nine knights were sent out by Bernard the Cistercian. Gothic was born at Citeaux. The whole Gothic formula is actually taken from the Cistercians. And the Compagnons de la, uh, des Devoirs, heirs of the builders of the Gothic cathedrals. It's no mystery that they get their characteristic feature, their, their, their descriptive geometry, indispensable for the building of Gothic monuments, by the way, from the Cistercian order. That's all the perfect prime numbers in it to make them look beautiful. 1020. That was the year of a huge change in Romanesque architecture. The change being where Christianity decked itself with the display of white churches. This was the time when, after a labor lasting five centuries, the Benedictine abbeys succeeded in constituting a corps, a lay brotherhood of builders affiliated to the order, which they could appeal to for protection if necessary. After the abbeys, where they trained their workmen, the Benedictines were able to put lay builders at the disposal of the secular church, often the direction of the, monas the monastic master craftsmen who came to build and teach in Normandy. The Benedictines were 
Olavidens, Cardinal Ratzinger, Pope Benedict chose his name, Benedict from Benedictine, for his papacy. That's his conscious connection to St. Malachi's prophecy of the next to last pope to be the glory of the olives. And the Benedictines were Olavitans. The Black Virgin was in reality Virgo, the great mother goddess known to the Egyptians as Isis. Earlier in the show, I told you she was black. She was Christened in, uh, christened rather, in Alexandria as Mary Magdalene. According to the cult of the Black Virgin, the full name of the Priory is the Order of the Priory Notre Dame de Sion. Former Grand Master of the Priory uh, is Pierre Plantard de Saint Clair, and has identified Notre Dame as Our Lady of the Light. And Lucifer, of course, means light bearer. There's an organization in France that's been in continuous existence since the 12th century. That's had some features both of an order of chivalry and a religious order, though it's not really quite either of those. A secret society which does not reject the right sort of publicity. A political grouping with specific aims that is also interested in ancient esoterics, wisdom, and hidden mysteries. Its full name is the Order of the Prior Notre Dame de Sion. And its biggest goal, its chief aim, seems always to have been the restoration of the Merovingian bloodline to the throne and has also passionately concerned with the cult of the Black Virgin, and has a remarkable record of the equal rights for women. The Grand Master of the Prior Sion, Pierre Plantard, from 81 to 1984, is reported to have said that the Sicambrians, ancestors of the Frankish Merovingians, worshipped Cybele as Diana of the Nine Fires, or as Arduina, the goddess of Arden. Both of the same person, a huge idol to Diana, Arduina, which once towered over Terrignan in the northeast France, between the Black Virgin sites of Orval, Avioth, and Misère, near to the near to the area of Stenay, where the Merovingians' king and St. Dagbert II was murdered. In 679, gives you a link between the two cults. In this connection, Pierre Plantard mentions that one of the most important acts of Dagobert when he acceded to the throne after his Irish exile was to continue the ancient tradition of Gaul, the worship of the Black Virgin. The Black Virgin, he insists, is Isis, and her name is Notre Dame de Lumière. The sole reason for the existence of the Priory of Sion is the restoration of the Merovingian bloodline to the throne as the royalty of Europe, and then even to the position of 
world domination from this bloodline whose blasphemous claims of divinity refer to intermarriage between the pre-flood demons the daughters of men formed the basis of a truly satanic dynasty of kings the Rex Du the Merovingians boast that the founder of their dynasty King Merovius a worshipper of the virgin goddess Diana of the Nine Fires was sired by a beast of the sea, Neptune, god of the sea and founder of Atlantis, according to the author of the Bloodline of the Holy Grail. Despite the carefully listed genealogies of his time, the heritage of Merovius was strangely obscured in the information on the royal bloodlines kept by the monks, although the rightful son of Clodion, he was nonetheless said by the historian Priscus to have been sired by an arcane sea creature known as the Bisti Neptunus, of course, the fabled birth of the very first Merovingian member of the bloodline. The Sicambrian Franks, from whom the female line, the Merovingians, emerged, were associated with Grecian Arcadia before migrating to the Rhineland. You would hope so. That's the bloodline of Cain and Arcadia, Akkad, was their first ancient home in the Middle East. It's a spaceman. This is Talk Radio AM 640. AVFS returns right after this. This is uh, View from Space. It's Talk Radio AM 640. I'm the guy they call Space. And I communicate with you by email only, spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com. So I'm touching on it right now. This is why there's this huge push for equal rights for women. Not because it's time. And the world is not ready. No. It's this. It was the Akkadian, the Arcadian, the Akkad legacy, the Cainite legacy, that was responsible for the mysterious sea beast, this Bisti Neptunus, as symbolically defined in the Merovingian ancestry. The sea lord who impregnated the female... Merovingian was King Pallas, a god of old Arcadia. The immortal sea lord was said to be ever incarnate in a dynasty of ancient kings whose symbol was a fish, as was the traditional symbol of Jesus. A biblical scripture immediately comes to mind. How about you? Does it for you? And you know the one I'm talking about. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. Revelation 13, 1. Yes, I juxtaposed 3.11. Not only was Merovus sired by the sea beast Neptune, 
the Merovingian race was sired by the Nephilim. That demonically bred race of giants which God supposedly destroyed in the flood, but didn't get them all. That the Merovingian bloodline is actually associated with a subterranean race that inhabits the Earth's center, hell. And it's confirmed by Dagobert's Revenge, where a review is posted of a book by Kenneth Grant, who was appointed by Alistair the Beast Crowley to succeed him as Grand Master of the Ordo Templi Orientis. It went this way. The Nephilim were banished to the center of the earth for disobeying God by mating with the daughters of men and teaching them the forbidden arts. In this publication, the Nephilim have been identified as the father of the Merovingians. The Merovingian race was fathered by a water beast known as the Kinotar. This Kinotar took the form of a sea bull. Crowley's personal seal was a sea goat. Grant, writing of Crowley's seal of the beast, says, The beast is the sea goat or amphibious monster identical with Cluthu, the kinotaur or bull of the deep. Grant wrote, this is a footnote, The waters under the earth, home of the ancestors, or subconscious atavisms of the race. Is this a reference to the race of the grail? It was originally from Cain, whose descendants intermarried with the Nephilim, that the race, the grail race, descended from. Enki, the twin brother of Enlil, two of the gods of ancient Samaria, merely an anagram of Cain, whose twin was Abel, according to occult belief. The mortal world spreads east and west, and the land of Les Invisibles lies above and below it, in the vertical dimensions of the heightened depths, north and south, Horus and Set. This ties in with the Book of Enoch, and the hosts above and the fallen, banished in the film below. This also reminds you of the twins or brother gods in ancient Sumeria and that tale called Enki and Enlil. Enki, the infernal of the two, represents Set and Enlil represents Horus. Although, in this context, Enlil would also be Osiris. In ancient mythologies, names and stories can be switched and one god can also be an attribute of another. It's best to keep this in mind when you're checking out this type of material. Set kills Osiris as Enki kills Enlil. As it has been shown in another article with this publication, Enki is associated with Cain. And Cain was a very bad boy. Enki was an infernal god that has been identified as siring the Merovingian race. Enki has even been associated with Set, who is also Satan. Writing of the great old ones or elder gods from Lovecraftian lore, Grant said this, the letter M, the 
key vibration of the plane of the elder gods is represented mythologically as the sea goat, Makaru, or as the crocodile, the beast of the waters. And of course, the crocodile was worshipped as a god in ancient Egypt, in the ancient Egyptian mystery religion. Couldn't Makaru be a form of Merovi who spawned the Merovingians and was sired himself from a sea bull? Tracy Twyman, an occult writer, has already written of the connection between Lovecraft's Necronomicon mythos and the Merovingians in her article dead but dreaming the old ones of Lovecraftian legend reinterpreted as Sumerian Atlantean kings she wrote the eye over the throne talking about the eye of Horus here again was a hieroglyph used in Egypt and ancient Sumeria to be the symbol of the world monarchy of the Atlantean gods (laughs) and it happens to be on the American dollar bill and that Seeing eye is the Antichrist. Since here it's called King Gu, obviously he was one of these kings, maybe related etymologically to Cain, whose name is the root from which the word king comes from, Cain, and who is said to be one of the eldest ancestors of the Grail family. According to Blavatsky, founder of Theosophy, another Gnostic religion, where knowledge, through knowledge, you become God. After the flood, it was Noah's son Ham and his descendants who preserved and carried on the occult traditions of Cain and brought the bloodline of Cain through the flood. There was also intermarriage with the gods. The history of fables about the mysterious Telthnes, fables echoing each and all the archaic events of our esoteric teachings, furnish us with a key to the origin of Cain's genealogy. They give the reason why the Roman Catholic Church identifies the accursed blood of Cain and Ham with sorcery and makes it responsible for the deluge. That was a flood. Were not the Telknes, it's argued, the mysterious iron workers of Rhodes. They were the first to raise statues to the gods, furnish them with weapons, and men with magic arts, the black magic arts. And is it not they who were destroying by a deluge at the command of Zeus, as the Cainites were by that of Jehovah? Dagobert's Revenge recommends Tracy Twyman's Dead But Dreaming, the great old ones of Lovecraftian legend reinterpreted as Sumerian Atlantean kings for information about the Atlantean gods. The Nephilim, who will rise again when the stars are in the right position, lined up as the cathedrals, the great cathedrals of Europe, have been positioned for that future time of the coming of the Antichrist. According to that informative article, the Nephilim preserved their occult traditions with the oath-bound secret societies which are now programming the younger generations into accepting this grail mythology as truth. 
because it's in so much of their video games, their television shows that they watch, their movies. The secret doctrine given to the elite casts of mankind by the Nephilim, or the Anunnaki as they're also known, the gods of ancient Sumeria and Atlantis has been passed down through the ages, not only to the Masons, the Templars, the Rosicrucians, and other fraternal organizations which perpetuates this tradition. And you can call it a tradition, but it's a traditional lie that is going to be proven out to be the truth and will eventually replace the three monotheistic religions as we know them today. But also the teenage geeks and D&D gamers, the Dungeons and Dragons gamers of today, via the H.P. Lovecraft Necronomicon lore, which has given birth to a, well, just like a myriad of role-playing and computer games, all occult-based, in much the the same way that Monty Python and the story for creative anachronisms have been kept alive and keeping alive the grail myth for these same teenagers. Twyman quotes the Necronomicon volume written in Damascus in the 8th century by a person called the Mad Arab, Abdul Asharid. This book, according to the myth, contains the formulae for evoking incredible things into visual appearance. Beings, monsters, which dwelt in the abyss and outer space of the human psyche. The Necronomicon, or Book from the Dead, is a book of messages from the ancient gods of Lemuria, Atlantis, who foretold that when the stars are rightly positioned in the heavens will be the opportune time for performing blood rituals into effect the resurrection of these sleeping gods and their human offspring. There had been eons when other things ruled on the earth and they had great cities. The remains of them, he said, the deathless Chinaman had told them, were still to be found as cyclopean stones on islands in the Pacific. They all died vast epochs of time before man came, but there were arts which could revive them when the stars had come around again to the right positions in the cycle of eternity. They had indeed come themselves from the stars and brought their images with them. Aliens is what we're talking here. And there will be that, too, in our future. It's a Spaceman Talk Radio, AM640. This is AVFS. More right after this break. It's a Spaceman on Talk Radio, AM640, AVFS. Emails, too. Spaceman at 640toronto.com or space at 640toronto.com. Thanks for the one you sent. Yes, the stars. As it is above, so it is below. The stars are actually mapping our road to a one-world government. Because, you see, the ancient Atlantean god-kings purposely associated themselves also with the stars and the planets and the positions, taking on the personifications of planets and constellations, each of them having a particular energy or 
plane of existence associated with it. This energy, they believe, can be further manipulated by the prayers and rituals of the cult members. And I talk about those rituals that are taking place on this earth, who are loyal to the great old ones and wish to see their kingdom rise again. In much the same way that Masons, Rosicrucians, and other occultists today perform rituals in the hope of bringing about the great work, this new world order about, a new golden age, just like the one that covered the antediluvian world when the Atlantean god-kings, whom they revere, and their leaders to come are related to, ruled over the earth directly. The eye and the pyramid on the dollar bill in America, which represents the new world order, is clearly a symbol of this newly risen kingdom of Atlantis, watched over, as in the watchers, by the all-seeing eye, which could just as easily be the eye of Dagon, or Leviathan, or Pluthu. It even looks reptilian, like it belongs on the face of a dragon. I'm talking now about the Egyptian seeing eye, all-seeing eye. That's also the logo, by the way, of the largest media company in the world, Time Warner. The rise of the New World Order, this new Atlantis, this new Jerusalem, this golden age, and even the apocalypse, these are all words for the same resurrection of the ancient global kingdom of the gods. Such a resurrection is also described in Aleister Crowley's The Book of the Law when he writes about the coming age of Horus and the return of the rule of the gods as well as their offspring, the human kings. Alice Bailey, associated with the Grail bloodline, with the sign of Virgo. Virgo itself, she says, is a cup shaped constellation in its highest meaning the holy grail along with descent from immortal sea beasts the priory of cyan also alleges to have absolute proof of merovingian descent from jesus christ and his continuing bloodline and has been working to reestablish the power of this merovingian dynasty this time over a world kingdom but while the Merovingian royal blood was credited with a sacred, miraculous, divine nature, it was not explicitly stated anywhere that this blood was in fact the blood of Jesus from the house of David. Claims of direct descent from Jesus, who is at best another Jesus, Yeshu, an Essen adept who saves by giving Gnosis, secret knowledge, rather than shedding his blood, and that Mary Magdalene, the Holy Grail or womb, which bore this other Jesus' children, are merely attempts to Christianize the demonic bloodline which will place Lucifer on the throne of this world. Writers examining the lives of Christ and Mary Magdalene in search of clues to the Grail mystery 
have been left with more questions than answers. And those going over the Bible, the King James Version of the Bible with a fine-tooth comb, have come up equally empty-handed. Undoubtedly, the reason for this is due to the fact that the Holy Grail has virtually nothing to do with Christianity at all. It would appear that the Grail story was Christianized precisely to conceal a legacy that was wholly unchristian. It's a legacy that goes back to Aya, the mysterious race of which was a descendant, the first king of Samaria, also the first god of Samaria. He was a deified king named Aya, and he was known as the Lord of the Flood or Lord of the Deep Waters. The name Aya refers as the basis of god names from other cultures, including, but not limited to, Jahiah, Yahweh, Hove, Jehovah, Allah, Janus, Ianus, Uranus, Uranos, Oanes, it's all the same. The Lord of the Flood, the first king of ancient Samaria. In the words of a Catholic bishop, we greet Mary as the great sign in the heavens which precedes the coming of her son because the mother always precedes the son we greet her as the one who at Fatima wanted to bring peace to the world if we fulfilled the demands of her maternal heart we greet her as the victor in all the battles of God and the mother of the church who will bring the good Friday and the church to an end and give it a new Easter. A new Easter? Of course. The feast of the mother goddess Ishtar. That's where Easter originated. Easter, Ostra, Ishtar. Same personality, same person. During the Renaissance, the medieval period, when the occult traditions flooded Europe from the Middle East, Chartres, Cathedral was built on a sacred site in France where ancient Druids once worshipped the Mother Goddess. A World Heritage Site, famous for its Gothic architecture, and to the initiated, its thoroughly pagan symbolism, Shat Cathedral is known to occultists as the Golden Book that reinstated the philosophy or uh, uh, of a classical Greece in the mainstream of Christian Europe. Cathedrals and this cathedral represent though sacred geometry and astrological symbolism, the Gnostic belief that man can compass his salvation by means of knowledge. Meaning, of course, learning the right things makes you God. It's referring to Gnosis. Within its massive structure was housed a mystery school which operated as a, a theological at, academy for over two centuries in the underground crypt of the cathedral at Chartres 
in France, initiates worshipped a replica of a Druidic statue known as the Virgin Perichure, or the Virgin about to give birth. The Templar Chronicles calls the Virgin Perichure the Virgo who must give birth. The statue of the underground chapel was also called Our Lady Under the Earth because the crypt where initiates took place, uh, the initiations took place for the initiates, was to, believed to be connected to Telluric powers, demons from the underworld. On the west from Shat Cathedral is the gate of birth, a statue identical to the Virgin Paraturae in the underground chamber. The exterior icon was, and still is, believed by most, most Catholics as Mary, the Mother of God. Outwardly, the white virgin on the west facade is the Blessed Virgin Mary who gave birth 2,000 years ago. But inwardly, she is the black virgin who was still pregnant with child, Isis. The Druids love of inner journeys and the Druids love of their visions inspired by prophecies about the woman that would bring a savior into the world that story this pregnant woman is the black Madonna you'll find in medieval shrines throughout Europe if the white virgin is the one who has already given birth the black virgin is the pregnant woman of the Druids vision was about to give birth to the superchild, the one the occult world is waiting for, whom I believe is now here. That's the latest of this Merovingian bloodline, the latest descendant, and is youthful and ready to go. The occult symbolism in this most famous of the medieval cathedrals is discussed in the Masonic book Rosalind, Guardians of the Secret of the Holy Grail. And according to its authors, Tim Wallace Murphy and Marilyn Hopkins, the seven mystical cathedrals of Europe were deliberately founded on druidic sites dedicated to planetary oracles. There is a prophecy that when the planets align, as I mentioned earlier in the show, in the same configuration as the cathedrals are on the ground, at the time of transition into the new age, will have arrived. The sacred site upon which Shat Cathedral was erected was dedicated by the Druids to the sun. So you see, France is a very, very integral part of the Merovingian rise to become the Antichrist. It's a Spaceman Talk Radio AM 640. More right after this break. That's me. I'm the Spaceman. This is uh, View from Space. Talk Radio AM 640. Final segment in tonight's show. Now, I told you the reason why the push for feminism is on. And that's not because it's time that we were all equal. It's because the Druids, in the beginning, like most tribal cultures, worshipped the principle of the eternal feminine as the source of all fertility. 
Julius Caesar, described in the Bello Calacico, the profound reverence given to a fire-blackened female figurine which was worshipped at a druidic sacred grotto at Carnutum, which is now the modern, modern city of Chartres in France, the home of the Chartres Cathedral that I was just talking about. A fertility symbol he called Virginie Parature, the virgin about to give birth. It was at Chartres that the church adopted the worship of the fire-blackened druidic figurine Virginie Pirete in the disguise of the Black Madonna. A medieval replica of the druidic figure is found in the crypt, which is the official guide states categorically was used as an initiation chamber. The virgin portrayed in the west facade of the Chartres Cathedral is called the Virginie Purite, which means the virgin about to give birth. As I said, this statue does not represent Mary or the biblical concept of womanhood, but the goddess of fertility and the female, the feminine principle, Virgo. Ishtar. Since Chartres was dedicated to the sun god, the child of the scripture is Horus, not Jesus Christ. There's an excerpt from the Masonic book, Roslin. It reveals how Gnostic occultism takes over Western Christianity through the occult infiltration of the Roman Catholic Church. It says the revelations of the ancient mysteries brought about by a a deep insight into the laws of all natural phenomena, revealing the very unity in nature, which is the mainspring of creation, and the importance of the principle of the eternal feminine. To commemorate this heretical and pagan concept, they carve a replica of the Druidic statue, the Virginie Perture, the virgin about to give birth, which has been a focus of worship at Chartres in pre-Christian times. To avoid persecution and to enable this powerful symbol to exert its influence, the statue was carved in, well, the disguise of Mary, the mother of God, with the infant Jesus seated on her lap. This symbolic representation of fertility and the archetypal feminine rests, yes, in the crypt of Chartres to this very day. It's known as Notre Dame de Souterre, Our Lady Under the Earth. A replica of this figurine was then carved carefully carved in the place of honor under the earth, above the main portal of the cathedral. Now, after many years of theological dispute with the Orthodox Church in the East, the Roman Catholics had, a long, had at long last stumbled across the perfect answer to the problems posed by the ambiguities inherent in the title Mother of God. 
In emphasizing Mary's role, the church was fulfilling a deep and long-felt need among its adherents by importing the pagan principle of the internal feminine into the, well, previously dominated and patriarchal realm of the Holy Trinity. Early Christians had taken up the theology of St. Paul, which described Jesus as the second Adam. They then fell into the theological trap by calling Mary the second Eve. So reviving the old pagan concept of the divine son-spouse relationship as found in Ishtar and Tammuz, the cult of ancient Babylonia, and the worship of Isis and Osiris and of Egypt and the pharaohs. You see, this form of worship also incorporated the concept of Sophia, the goddess of wisdom. The church attempted to exert control over this Marian cult in its traditional manner by taking over pre-Christian forms of worship and sacred sites dedicated to various goddesses, renaming them in order, in honor rather, of the Holy Virgin. The symbolism, prayers, litanies, all associated with Demeter, Cybele, Ishtar, Isis. They were all adopted and given a Christian veneer. The pagan principle of the eternal feminine puts the idea out that the mother goddess ruled over the first age of earth, corresponding to ancient Lemuria, Atlantis, which supposedly achieved the highest level of civilization ever known to man. And I believe the ones that are running our world today believes that this next system that's coming, that has all of our technology, all of our artificial intelligence, it's going to be even more powerful than the original Yes, it's going to be godlike, enough to be called a god. Since very few are wise to the Merovingian infiltration and takeover of the Roman Catholic Church, or that celibacy, homosexuality, pederasty, are, are, are sacred rights of the Merovingians. And Given that the secret societies, which are under the oversight of the Priory of Sion, control the news media, which has sensationalized these scandals, and considering the effectiveness of this ingenious and carefully executed plan, I say that the mighty fall of this citadel of Christianism is almost what the French would call fait accompli. Pretty much done. Stick a fork in it. It's cooked. When you consider the prophecies, different Bible versions, of course, allow for different interpretations of prophecy. Therefore, the traditional view represented by the King James Version is used on this show tonight. Scripture indicates the this is the Antichrist of the Jewish descent. It will be said to come from the region of Dan, Mount Hermon. 
Mount Sion in the north of Israel is a false fulfillment of Romans chapter 11 verse 26 the tribe of Dan will be rejected by God as a part of the 144,000 and will be used by God King James Version of the Bible to bring judgment upon Israel and the unbelieving world and when you consider the people the Arcadian roots of the Merovingians the Spartans the Celts are connected to the tribe of Dan because of their use of Dan-related place names, personal names, peculiarities like Baal, goddess worship, architectural skills. When you consider the locations, the tribe of Dan inherited the pre-flood paganism, Baal worship, of the Canaanites, descendants of Ham and his son Canaan, who occupied the northern area of Palestine at Mount Hermon, Sion. Located at the 33rd degree parallel, the ancient tribe of Dan influenced the basis of modern Freemasonry. By the way, Paris is at 33rd degree longitude, 33rd degree latitude. If you use Paris as the meridian. The symbols of the tribe of Dan are used by the Merovingians, the House of Stuart, Prince Michael, and the Judeo-Masonic authors of the Protocols of Zion, representatives of Zion and the 33rd degree. Now, if you consider the sin, too, the tribe of Dan was involved in a, a substitute worship system at Mount Hermon, Sion, that was both opposed to and removed from the true worship of God as at Mount Zion in Jerusalem. And the Judeo-Masonic conspirators have revealed to their own elect and concealed from the uh, the unwashed, you and I, the fact that a day-night false messiah will reign from the territory of Mount Zion in Dan rather than Mount Zion in Jerusalem. Only time will tell. And it's ticking. And it's ticking fast. We're fast approaching these times I'm speaking about now. This has been a view from space on Talk Radio AM 640. Coast to Coast is next. I'm space and I'm out.